Okay, well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Noah, for the great message and getting us um, ready. Man, band was awesome today, and you guys were awesome. I was listening to y'all singing over there, and uh, I'm glad you guys are here with us. And if you're online with us, man, we're excited that you're here um, with us as well. If you'd like to follow along with the message today, just take your phone, iPad, scan the QR code in the screens real quick, or use our Church Center app, and uh, you can find all the notes there um, for all of our sermons, and you'll be able to follow along um, with uh, the, the time we have um, today. Well, over the last two weeks, we have been discussing um, taking stock of our lives, right? And we've asked some, some questions about our life, like, is stuff piling up in our lives? Are we so busy that uh, we have no time for God? Or are our finances so stretched so thin that we are, in essence, saying no to God because we're saying yes to everything else? And the series we've been going through is called Happy Camper. And the question is, when is enough enough? And are you actually satisfied in this life? We learned over the last couple of weeks about being content and not putting our hope or our, our trust in our possessions, but instead putting our hope and trust in, in God and having the chance to find some margin in our lives. It's like when you're reading a book, and you, you have the text and you have the margin around it. It allows room for you to write and do things and be creative. But just imagine if you're reading a book and it was just from page to page, from edge to edge, just full of text and there's no room. Some of us, that's how our lives are like. And we need to find some margin when it comes to our money, our finances, our time, and our stuff. But before we jump in, I need to tell you a story. Many, many years ago, when I was a student pastor, um, one Sunday afternoon, we had a, a big youth building with a gym, and we had a bunch of teenagers up there, and I just uh, changed my clothes, came up, and I was in, in just like ratty jeans with like holes and big old holes in the knees and everything. I had an old nasty um, sweatshirt on because we were playing basketball, we were playing cornhole and ping pong, and my goal in life at that time was to beat the teenagers at everything. And so, like, I was trying my best to do that, and run around, and then I get a phone call from one of the other staff members, and he says, where are you? And I'm like, well, I'm in the youth room with all the teenagers, like I am every Sunday afternoon. And he goes, no, it's, it's deacon ordination, like, going on right now. Like, you're supposed to be in here. And as one of the ordained pastors, I was supposed to be up on stage, and we were ordaining some deacons, and so we we're having time of prayer and everything. So I, I run over to the sanctuary and slip in, and my wife is sitting out in the audience, and she's just like, oh, no. It was bad. Everybody's in like suits and ties, and I'm coming in like I'm just off the street, and uh, and I had to had to get in front of everybody and like uh, spend time praying over each guy. And I just, guys, I was just so embarrassed, you know. And I was trying to play it off like it's no big deal, but man, I was wearing the wrong thing at the at the wrong time. Well, the same thing has happened kind of this week, not with clothing, but with the message. You see, every Monday afternoon, I have a sermon team that I, I meet with in the office, and it's, part, it's the, several of our staff members, and we go over the message. And so I, I present to them uh, before you guys get it, so they have the freedom to tell me that's good or that is awful, okay? And uh, so they help me kind of craft the message, which is a benefit for you. So by the time um, you hear it, uh, many people have had their hands, hands on it. And we just realized that the message that I had, I had prepared, just it wasn't the right one. It was, it was a good message, but it was for the wrong time. And so in our discussions, we were able to, what we believe is, is kind of come up with God's message for us today. So I, I want to just give them a shout out to, uh, that 
for helping me um, craft um, today's uh, message. So you're about to get it, okay? It's a message by committee um, from several people um, today. So we finished last week with, with this verse out of 1 Timothy, talking about our stuff, okay, and our not, not following after our, our, our desire for possessions and wealth, but instead following after our desire for God. And here's what it says. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And I told you guys, come back next week, and we're going to talk about what this true life really is. And so that's what we want to talk about today. So to find true life, we must first start with the question that we've been kind of weaving throughout this Happy Camper series, which is this. And it's going to be up on the screen. How do we find freedom from our stuff? Honestly, the American dream that we're all kind of chasing, it promises us freedom if we will chase and pursue that dream. Did you know that the average American worker will spend 90,000 hours in their lifetime, a third of their life, working to try to pursue that American dream? Now, work is fine. Actually, work is godly. In the Garden of Eden, there was work. Jesus worked in heaven. The Bible says that we will have jobs and we will work. Work is not a bad thing, but the question is, is it to provide and survive or is it to, out of a desire for more, right? Out of a desire to have more things. And so that's something we're all kind of dealing with as Americans and as Christians, if you're a Christian in this room. Everybody's kind of following this and chasing after this American dream that we learned from a young age. But right now, this last couple of years has been tough. We've dealt with COVID for the last couple of years. Right now, we are dealing with a slowing economy. We're dealing with inflation. Did you know that this year alone, the economy is costing the average family with kids $10,000 just this year? 2022, it's costing you $10,000 extra just to maintain your standard of living. And you, you can weather that, that storm for a while, but... What if it continues? What if this gets worse? Do you have a plan for that? Are you gonna change some of your habits to be able to survive? Because honestly, you have, you have two choices. One is you can go deeper into debt or you can be different. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today. But the problem is we love our stuff, don't we? We love it. We want that new toy. We want those new clothes. Guys, we want those new power tools, right? I was at Lowe's the other day, and I was just like, I got to go. I got I to gotta go. Okay, I just, uh, I'm just going to go bad if I keep going through the, the tool section. We want those things. We love and we crave when that Amazon package arrives at our doorstep. Right? It's, like, it's like a drug for us. We love it. We love to go and eat out. We love to get that coffee every morning through that drive-through. We love when DoorDash delivers the food for us. We love those things. But for some of us, we're living at this like unsustainable pace, and our budgets are getting tighter and tighter. And so what happens is, is we work more and more just to try to make up the difference. So again, the question is, how do we find freedom from our stuff? And I've got the the simple answer for you today, and it's, it's, it's so simple, it's kind of silly. I believe the answer to this is God's call on our lives to get this. Be a sheep, okay? 
be a sheep. You're like, what in the world are you talking about? Okay, well, sheep get a bad rap. I mean, I, I get it. A lot of people think that, and we talk about how sheep are dumb. But the truth is, is that sheep aren't stupid. They, they stick together. They avoid danger. They trust. They have this kindness in them and this meekness in them. In fact, Jesus followers in the Bible are called sheep, okay? And the church is called the, the flock or the, a group of sheep coming together. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn to John chapter 10 this, this morning. And I want you to imagine that you're in Israel in the first century and you're a sheep, okay? Can you imagine that? Just use your imagination today, okay? You're a sheep and you finish the day. You've been out grazing and the, the shepherd calls you back into the, to the village. And he takes you back into the town and you go to the, the sheep pen. Now in first century Israel, the sheep pens were different than what you would think about today. If some of you guys live on a ranch or a farm, it wasn't made of metal or, or wood. They would actually use whatever was around them to help make a, a pen. So if there was two homes that were kind of next to each other, they would just wall off the rest of it with, a, with some stone. Or if there was a cave or rock outcropping, they would kind of um, finish it off. And so it was, that was in order to save money. Another thing they did is that every flock didn't, did not have their own sheep pen, did not have their own area. They would come together. So all of the shepherds in the town, there was one giant pen. And they would put all of their sheep, just mix them all together, and they would put them in there in the evening. And to save money, these shepherds, they would pull their, their resources together, and they would hire a gatekeeper, okay, like a night watchman. And so the, the shepherds had a chance to go and sleep. I mean, can you imagine? You're just doing this all during the day. There's no chance to even sleep. And so they would, they would get some rest. They would hire a, a night watchman, and the night watchman's job was to stand at the gate and protect all, all the sheep. And here's what Jesus says. So Jesus is telling a story in John chapter 10. Here's what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a, a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So the shepherd, after, after getting some rest, he comes up to the pen, so early in the morning, and the gatekeeper lets him in to get his sheep, and he calls them to come and say, let's go. Look what happens in the next verse. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the, the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger, they will not follow, but, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So in Oklahoma, we don't have a whole lot of, like, flocks of sheep, okay? Maybe, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't see them all over the place, but I do see cattle a lot. It's a thing in Oklahoma. And I know different ranchers um, in my life that, that have made good livings with, with big herds of, of cattle. And the way that they could um, know their cattle is they would brand them. If you've ever been a part of, like, branding of cattle, it's crazy, okay? Um, so they would brand their cattle so they could know Whose is whose? And so if their, their cow got out of their pasture or if somehow the herds mixed, they'd be able to, to sort them out. But in the first century, they didn't brand their livestock. What they did was something quite different. The Bible says that, that they would call their sheep by name. And the, the sheep would know the shepherd's voice 
And it's amazing how there's like this intimacy of a relationship that's way different than, than we understand today. So imagine this, this pen full of different flocks of sheep and the shepherd, you know, shows up and he's like, all right, guys, it's time to go. And he begins to, to, to call them by, by name, right? He's like, all right, Rob, let's go, right? All right, uh, Pookie, let's go, whatever, right? Make, make up some names, okay? So maybe your nickname. I don't know if it's your nickname. Um, it is now, by the way. So say, hey, come on. So he calls them by name and these sheep would hear the voice of the shepherd and they would begin to, to follow the shepherd out of the pen. And this is different than the stranger that Jesus describes because a stranger just comes in it's like, let's go. Let's go and just kicks them and tries to, tries to coerce them to come out. And the Bible says, Jesus says, nope, these sheep don't do that. These sheep will go hide in the corner. They will not follow anyone but the shepherd because the sheep know his voice. So there are several lessons from this passage that I believe will help us find freedom from this, this idea of the American dream and chasing after stuff. And very simply, we must be sheep. And the, one of the ways you can do this to be a sheep is this, to adjust your ears. To adjust your ears. Think about this. Sheep have excellent hearing. And so when they hear a noise, they can, they can triangulate that and know where that is coming from and how far away it is. And so when they hear the voice of their, their shepherd, they know exactly where the shepherd is. They can turn their direction, their attention towards that, 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 that noise. When the shepherd calls them, they turn and they begin to, to follow him. And here's my question for us today. What are you listening to? Like in our society today, what are you listening to? Because the world that is so loud is like a thief and like a robber. They will steal your time and your energy and your heart. And if we're really going to begin to have freedom from our stuff, if we're really going to have freedom from this American dream, we have to start listening, not to the world, we got to start listening to God. And so what is your, what is your quiet time like? Do you spend time in the Word, or is it only on Sunday mornings? What's your prayer life like? What is your, what is your step count when it comes to your walk with God, right? How much are you spending time with God? That's a, that's a huge question to ask today. We need to, instead of listening to the world, we need to instead begin to listen to God. You see, a sheep is focused, not, not, not all the distractions, all the things around it, it's focused on the shepherd. Here's what, here's what uh, 1 John says. 1 John chapter 2 says this, thinking about the difference between the voices in our heads, Okay. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What it's talking about is adjusting your ears from the world and the desires of the world and towards God. And so if you want to have freedom... Man, that's the first thing you got to do. Begin to listen to the right thing. Now, this moment in the story isn't over. So let's go back to John chapter 10, in the next verse. I love this verse 6 because it gives me hope, okay, for us. It says this, this, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So I like that verse 
That might be one of my favorite verses of the whole passage because there's times where I don't understand this, but there are people in Jesus' day that didn't understand this. And so it gives me hope, okay, for myself, my, my simple self. But Jesus, and I love this, he would actually explain this. A lot of times when he would tell a metaphor or a story or a parable, he would then go and say, okay, here's what this means. And so this is what he does. Look what he says. So Jesus, again, said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We don't always talk about Jesus as being the door, okay? It's not a name we use very often to describe Jesus, but he described himself as the door. And so we need to talk about that today. So in first century, in, out in the pastures, so just imagine you're, you're a sheep and you go out into the pasture and you spend the day with the shepherd. So while the shepherd is watching and protecting and trying to you know, take care of the sheep, He's got to make sure that they are okay because you think about that's a very vulnerable position. There are wolves, there are wild animals, there are thieves that want to come come and and mess up the flock and hurt and kill and abuse the flock. And so the shepherd's job is to take care of it. And so one of the things the shepherds do, this is pretty cool, the shepherd would find like a cave or like a rock outcropping and they would just kind of roll some stones together and they would create this like temporary shelter. And so it was always really close by. And so the sheep are out there and grazing and doing their thing. But if there was any hint of danger, the shepherd could call the sheep and they would come running and go into, into safety. And being out in the middle of nowhere, the, the, shepherd, the shepherd didn't have a, a door to put on there. And so what he did is he would stand in front of the door and act as protection. And so Jesus says, I am the door, right? That changes things. That's a little bit different. And so what happens is, is the sheep, and this is what Jesus says, the sheep would go in and they would go out under the care of the shepherd. And so they would go in for protection when they were afraid and they would go out to, to pasture for when they wanted food and when they wanted water. That's pretty awesome. And Jesus says, I am the door. And so what he's saying is, is this is protection. I am protection behind that door but I'm also potential through that door. He is the door that provides salvation, okay? He's also the door that provides abundant life. And so from these, this, this little passage right here, there's a couple other things that we need to, to kind of grasp this morning. We're thinking about finding freedom. And so one of the things I see in this is, is this, that, that we have to trust that behind the door you're safe, Okay? Behind Jesus, behind the door, you are actually safe. It's talking about eternal security. 1 John 5 talks about it. It says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have, the, have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. What he's talking about here is eternal security. And when you have eternal life and that security, what happens is, is you don't have to live by the world's standards anymore. You don't have to live your life trying to get more and gain more. You don't have to be trying to, to get the approval of other people. You don't have to try to be famous. You don't have to try to be rich. You don't have to try to be important because in God's eyes, you are famous, you are rich, and you are important. And so that way of life, the, the world says you need to pursue 
You don't have to do that anymore because you have this eternal security. There is this safety. But also in this passage, I see something else, that we have to trust that through the door, you'll be satisfied. So in the door, coming through the door, back into the door, there is safety. But going out of the door, when, when everything is right, when God provides opportunities for you, we got to trust in him that he will actually satisfy us. You see, sheep, they don't have to worry about what they're going to eat. They don't have to worry about their food. They don't have to worry about where the stream is for water. They trust the shepherd. And so the shepherd said, go, go, go out to pasture. They just go out to pasture. You see, following Jesus is the same way. For a lot of us, we are so anxious about the future. We're so anxious about our, our 401K and um, our investments. We're so anxious about getting by how this life is going to turn out. And, and God says, trust me. Like there's this abundant life that I have for you. Yes, eternally, but right now there is this life that I have for you. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount, here's what he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For us who, who trust in God and live our lives for him, the Bible says, Jesus says, you will be satisfied in this life. You know what, there's also a famous uh, passage in Philippians chapter 4. We, we talk about it all the time. We use it all the time. Let me read this to you. This is Paul talking. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And he begins to describe the different levels that he has lived of, of having lot and having little. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every, situ in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And then he says this, which is a famous verse we use all the time. We take it out of context all the time. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this verse 13 down here is not talking about winning football games. Okay, guys? Okay? It's not talking about acing that test. What it's talking about is having strength through Jesus, the strength that Jesus gives us when we are completely satisfied in him. When we're completely satisfied in him, no matter what this life throws at us, then I can do all things through him. Does that make sense? So there's no need to worry. There is freedom in this. But you know what? Jesus isn't just the door. We know him as the good shepherd, don't we? You've heard that probably before. In fact, Jesus, in, back in John 10, he continues and he says this in verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he describes the opposite of that, okay? He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he, he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. The Bible says he is the good shepherd. And so if we really want to have freedom from the pursuit of this American dream, the pursuit of chasing after stuff, here's something else we have to, to remember. We have to remember that the shepherd is for you, right? You've got to remember that the shepherd is not, God is not up on high looking down on you, totally distant. He is for you. And for your life, and he wants to give you an abundant life. And when a wolf comes to kill, a good shepherd is so committed. He's so committed to that sheep that he's willing, out of love, to lay down his life. 
The shepherd is willing to sacrifice completely. But a hired hand, they run, right? They don't care. They're just in it for themselves. When we think about Jesus as the good shepherd, there's this relationship that happens and forms. And it's all about selfless sacrifice. In Matthew 20, here's what Jesus says. Even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you would serve him. He came to this earth to serve other people and be here for people. And ultimately, to lay down his life just like a good shepherd does. But you know what? A good shepherd doesn't just sacrifice. A good shepherd also, I love this, a good shepherd stays. The good shepherd doesn't abandon. Like a shepherd plants his feet when the wolf is coming, when the thief is coming. He plants his feet and says, come on, right? I am not abandoning. I'm not leaving my sheep. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This could be a great, this is a great theme verse for this entire series. That instead of pursuing money, like as as if it's going to give you contentment, instead be content in God because he's never leaving, right? He's never leaving. He's always going to be there for us. And the world, guys, has thrown us some curveballs. And many of us don't understand what it means to have someone that stays. We have lived, many of us have lived with this weight of, of abandonment. When we chase after darkness and we live in that world, it's enticed us. What happens is it never delivers. It always leaves us empty. It always leaves us in in despair. And for a lot of us, we've opened the door to the world. And we've jumped in to sexual sin. We've jumped into pleasure and the pursuit of it. We've jumped into trying to attain more and more wealth. We've jumped into trying to find acceptance with our peers, no matter what the cost. And it's like a drug for us. But you know what happens after you take that drug? Eventually that high wears off, doesn't it? And what are you left feeling? We're left feeling lonely, and we're left feeling used. Yeah, we continue to do it over and over and over again. Let me step on some toes this morning. <laughs> some of you, some of us, we are so religious. We're so about following the rules that, by the way, Jesus has given us freedom from, okay? We're so that is like the purpose of our life is following these, these religious rules that your care for lost people is actually, it's pretty much gone. And to the world, people just think you're a flat out jerk, right? And they don't want anything to do with you. And in your desire to follow God and to honor him with your life, it hasn't been about a relationship. It's been about, about rule falling. I'm telling you what, the Bible talks about that. The New Testament says if you want to live by the law, you're going to die by the law, okay? 
The law is not going to save you. Following rules is not going to save you. Now, living righteously and following rules comes after having a relationship with Jesus. And out of that relationship, you should have a desire to want to do that. But for, for a lot of us, we have put that as ultimate in our lives. And we treat people who are far from God as if they should know everything about following God. And when they start doing something that isn't Christian, we're like, I just can't believe they would do that. How else do you expect them to act? We have to be different. We have to love people differently. And honestly, that way of life is not satisfying at all. It leaves you grumpy, okay? You're just mad at the world. And it leaves you alone. Because you've lost relationships with, with other people. And if you were probably to be honest, you probably lost your relationship with the Savior. You're far from him. And you're missing something. You know, here's something I know that's going to happen this Christmas. For some of you, you're gonna, you're, y'all are going to be really mad. There's going to be times where you get mad. And it's usually going to happen when you've ordered something and it doesn't come in on time. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like when, when it says, hey, it's going to two-day delivery. I'm, I'm an Amazon Prime member, by the way. I just want everybody to know that. Okay. So, <laughs> right, you expect everything to happen. And when there's delivery delays... You're upset. And when that, that FedEx truck comes driving down your street and just keeps driving past your house, like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I got to take that gift. It's, I got to have time to wrap it. It's going to be late. I got to make up excuses for it. Like, we're going to be disappointed. Well, you know what? The, the world is kind of like that. The world promises great things, but it never delivers, right? It never delivers. And honestly, the world, it's a, it's a liar. And it'll, it'll chew you up and it'll spit you out and leave you all alone. And the things of this world, like the desire for more wealth, the desire for acceptance, it doesn't care about you. Your stuff does not care about you. Your wealth does not care about you. It will leave you alone. Let me tell you something. Jesus, he's freedom from all that. If you really want freedom, he is the answer. With Jesus, there is no bait and switch, okay? He's not playing con games. He offers you real life. The Bible says he is is the door. He's the door that provides safety, and he leads you to finding a fulfilled life. He's the door. He's also the good shepherd that will never leave you. He'll never abandon you to the point where he's willing to die for you. You know, we're talking about this happy camper idea. And the question is, in a campground, who's the happiest? The one that has a tent, the one that has a million-dollar RV, who's the happiest? Let me tell you something. Sheep are the happiest campers because they're satisfied. They're satisfied not in their things. They're satisfied in their shepherd. They're content. One of the most famous passages in all the Bible is in Psalm, and it talks about this. And I want to read this to you. Psalm 23. Here's what it says. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> right, let me stop right there, okay? I'm just going off the cuff here. That's a hard verse. It's easy to say that, but it's, it's another thing to really truly believe it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
and describes what he does for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Remember, you're a sheep, okay? This is good stuff. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he provides. He's that door. He's the good shepherd. But also it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So even when bad times happen, when life throws me curveballs, when I have chased after the world and it has left me alone and used, I still have a good shepherd that loves me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You have not abandoned me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's a great passage, but most of us don't live like that. Let me ask this question. This is a tough question for today. If you lost everything, everything that you've worked so hard for, your career, your health, all your possessions, if you lost it all and all you had was the good shepherd, would you be satisfied? That's a tough one. I'm the pastor up here being like, oh, yeah, I'd do that. I don't know. Would I be satisfied? And I pray that we can chase after that kind of life. Yes, it's, it's okay to have money. Yes, it's okay to pursue success. But let's do that for the right reasons, right? Not for the purpose of our lives. Not to try to find contentment and satisfaction in those things. But instead... Let's find contentment and satisfaction in the good shepherd. So if you're like, hey, I want to do that, what's your, what should be your response? What should we do about it? If you're like, okay, I get it. I'm going to try to do that. What should I do? Well, back to John 10. Later on this passage, Jesus is continuing to talk, and he says this in verse 27. He says, my sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them. And what do sheep do? They follow me. Let me tell you, if you're hearing this message this morning, whether you're in this room, whether you're online, here's something I know. You are being called right now by God. You're wondering what the voice of God sounds like. It's through his word. You're being called right now. What are you being called to? You're being called to follow Jesus. If you want to find freedom from a life chasing after things, they'll never satisfy you. Here's what you got to do. The last thing is you got to follow the shepherd, right? You got to follow him. You want to know how to find freedom from the love of stuff, the love of wealth and love of money and chasing after that? You got to follow Jesus. If you want, if you want to find freedom from chasing after satisfaction and security and other things, you want to find true freedom and security and joy, follow Jesus. If you want to find true hope for your future, whether it's in this life or in the, in the life to come, follow Jesus. You know what that is? That's the gospel message, that Jesus came down on this earth, lived a perfect life so he could be a sacrificial lamb, a perfect spotless lamb to die for your sins. Nobody else in this room or on planet earth can pay for your own sins because they have sins that they have to pay for. But Jesus never sinned, lived a perfect life, and he got up on the cross and he died for you so he could pay the penalty for your sins. And what does he ask for you to do? Follow him. 
He went to the disciples. These guys, there were nobodies. He said, follow me. The question this morning, have you decided to follow Jesus? I want to give you an opportunity to do that. To turn from the way that you've been living. It's called repentance. And begin to live your life for him. Here in a minute, I'll be down at the front. We'll have staff over in the connection. We'd love to sit down and talk with you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus and begin following him. But I get it. Most of us in this room, probably most of us even watching online, we would say we're followers. But I think for a lot of us, we, we struggle with finding freedom from our stuff. We're living this Christian life in America. It's difficult. I get it. There's this chasing after the American dream. And the answer to that is trusting in the good shepherd. Because think about this. Think about sheep, guys. Sheep don't have to worry about being anything other than sheep, right, and following the shepherd. They're not setting up on the side of the road with a feed store, okay, to try to provide for themselves and everybody else. They're not rolling rocks with their noses trying to make a shelter. They're not... They're not planning for the, for the next pasture. They can be sheep and do sheep things, you know? And they don't, they don't miss the shepherd's calling. I think that's a big thing for a lot of us because we're so busy trying to um, figure out this life. We're so busy trying to control it. It's a control issue. Like we want to control our future and our life and um, our wealth and all that kind of stuff. We're so busy doing that that we miss sometimes when the shepherd says, hey, guys, the pasture you're in, it's eaten up. We got to go somewhere else. Now, it's on the other side of the hill. You can't see it right now, but I'm asking you to trust me. I think about our church right now. We got some big changes coming. We believe with all of our hearts God is calling us as a good shepherd and saying, hey, I got a new pasture for you. Problem is, a lot of times sheep don't want to leave what they know. They don't want to leave their pasture they got that feed store they've been, they've, been, uh, they've been running for a long time. They've already built this great shelter. And they don't want to leave it. And, and God's saying, I've got something so much better for you. Will, you. will you trust me? Will you trust me? It's all about letting go of control and giving it over to the one who is the good shepherd. So let me ask this. If you're able to not worry about those things anymore... What could God do in your life? Would you have some margin? Would you be content with maybe less? Would you have the ability to give generously when God calls you to give? What could God do through you? Could you be the hands and feet of Jesus during this Christmas season? Could you have a moment where you can, in December, to kind of just think about who are the people in need and how can I meet that need? Or are we so busy in this life that we say no to God because we're saying yes to everything else? Are we so busy that we don't see where God is moving and, and working that we, we don't even realize that we should be following him and joining him in that work? Yes, today, if you don't know Jesus, man, I pray that you give your life to Jesus. But you know what? For all of you followers in this room, it's something you got to do every day, right? you got to make the choice of who you're going to follow. The world or the good shepherd? I'm telling you what, that is true life. Let's pray. Lord, 
my prayer this morning is, is a simple prayer of repentance, of saying we're sorry, God, when we have trusted in our own way and our own self in this pursuit of the American dream. I pray, God, that you convict us of that. That's tough because we love our things. Help us, God, to see how much time we are spending chasing after things that don't matter. Help us, God, to reprioritize our lives. To follow the good shepherd. To trust in his protection. To live in his prosperity that he gives us. God, for, for too long, there's been many of us, we're all guilty of this, where we have, we've tried to be our own shepherd. We've tried to do our own thing, yet you call us to be sheep, meaning that we're to trust you. I pray, God, there's anyone in this room has never trusted in Jesus, never put him first, never asked him to come into their lives, never accepted his gift of forgiveness through his broken body and shed blood on the cross. I pray that today they may do that. They would find somebody and talk to us about it. For a lot of us in this room, we're, we're, we're followers. We're not being sheep. We're wondering why we're so exhausted and tired and don't feel like we're doing much for the kingdom of God. God, help us to change and to be different. We can learn a lot from simple sheep. Thank you for this story, Jesus, that you've taught us. Help, it, help us to be changed because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, why don't we close our service by standing and let's sing a song of response. And we've heard this message. We're called to act on it. Let's just sing this song that we sang earlier. I surrender all. This is our final prayer. To Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily
Awesome. Hey, why don't you guys have a seat for just, just one second? 